This is the Be Plucky Podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Derry. On this podcast, we have career conversations that help us find our way. And in today's episode, we're talking specifically about first impressions. Mentors can be anywhere, sometimes in official capacities and sometimes not. But today, they're on this podcast. So put your headphones in, grab your winter bonnet for a walk, and get ready to listen. For the next few minutes, let's be the best kind of people, the ones who admit that they don't know everything. Here we go. Today, dear listeners, I'm honored to welcome Dr. Evelyn Carter. Evelyn is a social psychologist who has conducted cutting-edge research on how to detect and discuss racial bias. She's also the president of Paradigm, a DEI firm that designs solutions to help companies incorporate DEI into their talent systems and processes. Evelyn's research has been funded by the National Science Foundation, and in 2018, she was featured on the Indiana University College of Arts and Sciences 20 Under 40 list. In addition to her peer-reviewed scholarship, Evelyn is a highly sought-after thought leader. Her work and insights have been published in popular press outlets such as The Atlantic, Bloomberg, CBS This Morning, CNBC, Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, and NPR. Evelyn holds a doctorate from Indiana University, a master's degree from the University of Illinois at Chicago, and a bachelor's degree from Northwestern. That was a very badass resume. I feel even more honored to welcome Evelyn to this chat now than ever. Hi, Evelyn. Thanks for being here. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Oh, please. You were top of mind for me with first impressions. And maybe I'm going to throw you this topic first by just saying, what is the most recent first impression you were part of? Either that you observed or you were introducing yourself. Oh, okay, great. So um, I hosted a party recently at my house and it was one of those rare moments, especially in a like post height of COVID because we're still in COVID, but like, you know, kind of whatever uh, world where I got to bring together people from different parts of my life who have never met met before. And one of my friends is so to me, painfully extroverted. Like she just loves talking to people. And so she walked in and I opened the door. She started working the room in a way that I just have never, she was making connections with other people about like, oh, we live nearby. Let's exchange numbers. Great. We're going to hang out next weekend. And it was like, Mm. it was so interesting watching her just like be who she is. I was like, this is totally on brand because also Mm. when I met this person, we were in an improv class together. And at the end of the improv class, she literally, uh, texted me because we'd exchanged numbers at some point and she was like hey I want to be friends oh, I was like okay so and and I was like I'm not as good at this maybe as you are and she's like that's cool I'm gonna keep texting you and we're just gonna meet up for coffee every other Saturday and we literally for about a year went to the same coffee place at 10 a.m on either Saturday or Sunday every other week and that's how our friendship formed so like it's interesting seeing that like same like just that yep. same first impression that I experienced is, is a real thing. What I hear underneath that story is authenticity and reliability. So like, not only is she very clear on who she is and how she is when she walks into a room, but she's not only that with some people, it sounds like she really was able to spread that around. 
Oh yes, with everybody. And I think that's why she has as many like friends as she does. And she's like, I'm just gonna get in there and like meet people and um and it's really refreshing and and lovely. Okay, so let's pivot this then to you can talk about work or you can talk about personal life, whatever you want, but I feel like you have a role that you observe lots of first impressions. So you're a leader. So that could certainly be in pitching externally, I would think, or finding clients for paradigm, but then also internally, people that you know, you're a manager for or colleagues or whatnot. So I wonder what do you believe is important about presenting yourself? That's a great question. And nobody can see this, but it's my thinking face. Um, <laughs> I feel like we can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> the emoji, I picture the emoji. Yes, that's literally right. what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I think the thing that's most important about a first impression is being who you really are. So like that that point about authenticity, which I think is what my friend's name is Evan, um, mm-hmm. what like really resonated with me about her was that like, she is who she is. And I actually remember spending the second half of my twenties really figuring out like who I am. Like that question of like, oh, like what do you like to do for fun? Used to eat me up inside. Cause the answer was like sleep watch TV and play the Sims. And like, (laughs) I'd be like, oh, are those like answers good enough? And so I think authenticity is really important in a first impression because if that's the one that people are going to remember you by, and that's what they're going to continue engaging with you on. And so like, I would much rather have a conversation with somebody who knows that I love the Sims than to have a conversation with somebody who thinks that like I watch documentaries in my free time because then I'm pretending the entire time after that. And it's so draining. I just had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago about interviewing for a new job. And she had this really smart, um, I don't know, reflection, I guess, about how her initial instinct was to interview for who she thought they wanted. But actually, then she realized that like she needed to interview as she is. Because if you get hired with a mask on, you're going to be expected to work for the rest of the time with a mask on. And that is kind of just from day one, signing yourself up for something. But I will also admit, maybe you have a thought here too, that there is a different pressure, perhaps professionally, like if you are pitching to a client or if you are going in for a job interview, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the nuance there? Yeah, there's definitely nuance there. So one, I definitely agree. This is something that uh, my sister and I talked a lot about when she was interviewing for summer associate positions. So my sister is a lawyer. She's awesome. She is four foot 11 and has an Afro that is at this point, probably as wide as she is tall. And (laughs) when she was interviewing for, you know, kind of corporate big law summer associate positions, and even, you know, kind of beyond that, Mm. She got some advice that she should straighten her hair. Um, I'm black, by the way. My sister's black. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, so like straighten her hair to look more in line with the Eurocentric white standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister has a black power fist tattoo on her wrist. I said, oh, cover that up. And one of the things that we talked about was like, that advice is really frustrating, right? That I have to, you know, comply with some kinds of standards in order to get the job and also sometimes you just need a job Mm. and so I think the the hard thing is 
there are different points in our lives, depending on what's going on, depending on our finances, our family situations, like all of that, where we have to make the hard choice sometimes about how authentic we get to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, the work that I like to do with companies is to help them understand how they can minimize the trade-offs that people, particularly folks from underrepresented or marginalized groups have to make, right? Um, So they can just go to work and and not have to say, well, yeah, I'm making, you know, buku bucks, but I hate my job because it makes me feel like I'm, you know, hiding who I am. So yeah, rambly answer, but like, those are some of the things that I think are, are interesting about like who gets to be authentic and what does it mean for a company to create a place that as many people can be their differently authentic selves as possible. And that's really important. And what an interesting spectrum and algorithm for all that. You're, you know, kind of laying out a bunch of different dimensions to almost monitor of the ecosystem that you're standing in, right? So if you walk into a house party, you can be a, you know, a percentage, let's say, of your authenticity. And then in a job interview, it's not that that's the failure state. It's that there may be other things you want to talk about when you first meet someone. Whereas if you show up at a house party and you're like, hello, here's my resume. It's like, all right, well, why don't you take it down? That's <laughs> yeah. authentic also, but please, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so like an ability to read a room feels relevant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think, you know, especially in like a job interview setting, there is a, I think, I think in actually in any setting that you go into, thinking about the persona that you want people to think about, like what is kind of the image that you want to leave behind? It's so like my friend Evan, when she goes into a room, she's like, I want people to know that like I'm fun. Hit me up for literally anything. I'm like, you know, if you're in town and we live nearby, we're going to get together. And there's probably a version of that that comes through at work. I think for me, when I was interviewing and people asked me like, you know, what I did for fun, I mean, I might say I I play The Sims because that's a cool time. Um, But I also might say like, all right, if I'm telling them that I play The Sims, that's like kind of, I'm like, I'm quirky, I'm interesting. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that I also might want to showcase that give people a breadth of um, understanding of who I am? And so I think we're talking about first impressions. And I think sometimes people think that they're just like, this like thing that happens, you just go out there in the world and you just be who you are. When my experience is that I actually curate the first impressions that I want as much as possible to give off because I want to be really intentional about how people think about me and, and how they interact with me. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of calculations going on, which sounds very inauthentic, but I promise it's all real. Here's the thing, right? Like that's, what's interesting to talk about. It is not interesting to talk about like here is the fancy advice, best of luck. It's it's all of this middle space. And, you know, I think I just read literally your intro here in this episode. And listeners may, I'd be so curious to hear listeners, like what did you anticipate Evelyn was going to be like? Because yeah. those are some heavy hitting, you know, PhD, you're on, did you say, did I say the Today Show? Not yet. CBS, yeah, uh, CBS this, morning. this morning. Yeah. All right. I'm going to call the Today Show and be like, yo, I already- <laughs> Please do tell them. <laughs> I already pre-gamed this for you. Anyway, like so many heavy hitting things. And it's possible that you came on here and were a more, um, whatever, a different tone, but you are playful and smart and interesting. And that all came across too. And I appreciate the intention comment for sure. It's interesting to me because so far in this conversation, we're we're talking about like how we prepare our own first impressions, but what's your take on receiving a first impression? So what, 
what do our instincts tell us? And is that ever problematic? Oh God. I mean, our instincts are like always problematic. Like, <laughs> it's like there's one takeaway. It's like your instincts, people are probably forever problematic because we are humans. We have bias and like, Pack we're, it up. we're not, we, I think what's interesting. And as we're talking so much about how, like I'm working hard to curate first impression, first impressions for people. Um, I don't have control over what they receive. And there's lots of reasons for that, right? One of which is that we look at people and we make a decision about uh, who they are based upon their race or their perceived race, their perceived gender, mm-hmm. um, age, all those different kinds of things. And our brain like automatically populates with all of the stereotypes that might come to mind, right? Mm-hmm. So if you hear like, oh, she has a PhD, stereotypes of what somebody with an advanced degree like that are going to come to mind. And what you have to do when you are meeting someone and receiving their first impression is try to push all of those stereotypes mm-hmm. out of the way to create room for whatever the actual individual in front of you is, is portraying. And that's really hard. And so one of the things that I like to do when I'm setting myself up to receive a first impression is actually have as little information about people as possible. Mm. So I do a lot of interviewing for roles. Um, I just had an interview before this actually. And I tell people like as a bias mitigation strategy, I don't review resumes, LinkedIn profiles, pictures, anything like that before interviews. I know your name. I know your pronouns. If you share that with our talent acquisition team and that's it. And the reason for that is that I don't want to give my brain any more time than it needs to start crafting a pre-first impression before I meet someone. Um, And so we don't have that luxury all the time, but Mm -hmm. I do think finding places where you can to be like, how can I like just cut all the noise from what is my brain crafting an image of a person and just receive what's in front of me? Like that's what's most important to practice. Mm. What a cool experiment. And also to have opportunities you know, your average person, I don't know how that would manifest. I'm sure everybody could find some channel through which they could try that, but an opportunity to meet someone just based on the most minimal information. This reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if this happens to you. I'm sure it does sometimes, but I will every once in a while want to make an introduction between two people. So someone, for example, that I know is looking for a job and someone that I think might be a good person for them. And, you know, because this happens a million times a year, I have like a little paragraph that is sort of the prep and then I replace the names and then I say a little bit about why I'm introducing them. But I always, the ending part of that paragraph is I think very highly of both of you. And the reality is that I don't introduce everybody. (laughs) So (laughs) that is a very authentic line. Like if I'm going to the trouble to pairing you up with somebody, because I got a lot of my to-do list, but if I'm doing that, it is true inherently that I think very highly of you. And that's another form of a first impression, Yeah, which is, um, I don't even want to say network. That feels like too thin a word, but trust and relationships and like recommendation in that way, you know, they've got minimal information about this person too. It's like so-and-so who's looking for X, Yeah, but here's what you can hear from me. You should talk to this person. Yeah. I mean, it's the power of a good referral, right? Like, and we see this in in lots of places. I'm doing so much work on my house right now. um, And, you know, I'm finding people to be contractors through just like somebody who said, I had a great experience 
okay, I trust you. Let's, yeah. let's try it out. And that's what you're basically doing. You're saying like, you know, for better words, like I've had a good experience with this yeah. person. I think you would as well uh, discuss. And yeah. Yeah. I always tell people, I think fair or unfair as this might sound, I think there's a certain point in your career where you don't get jobs by just sending your resume somewhere. Oh yeah. That with seniority and tenure in a field, you have a network of people that you could reach out to. Do you know anyone looking? You could have coffee with someone. And um, that is... It's not everybody's skill set to go and network, so to speak, but it does seem to be like a grown-up requirement on some level for you to be able to imagine meeting someone and kind of representing yourself. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I agree that that is true. I agree with your assessment of like fair or unfair. That is how yeah. it is. And I also, so the fun thing about my friend Evan, going back to her, is that I said she is to me painfully extroverted. I am quite introverted. Um, I mean, my goodness, one of my like, there's this conference for social psychologists that happens every year. And one of my best friends who also is a social psychologist and I would often like room together and we would joke about, not joke, we would actually do like hide out during some of the like massive networking. It's just like, we are so drained and tired. <laughs> um, and so I am allergic to networking. This idea mm-hmm. that like, I'm going to go into a big room. I'm going to hold a like cup of yeah. wine that I don't even drink. And like, oh, yeah. like what are you working on? Like, ugh, that yeah. to me is like, inauthenticity on steroids. I don't want any part of it, but I love a good one-on-one conversation. And like, you know, say what you will about the Myers-Briggs not being predictive of anything, but I am strongly identified as an INFJ. So like (laughs) put me in a corner with one or two people and I will learn about your life story. We will become best friends. Like that's a small talk. And so to me, what I encourage people to do when they're thinking about like, how do I build this network is to just like, again, be who you are. If who you are is somebody who can talk to 20 people in a room and glean information, then great. But if the person that you are is having two or three deep connections with a room full Mm -hmm. of 100 people, then prioritize those. And then the thing that I've been really fortunate about is that, you know, out of those rooms of 100 people that I've been in, I find the two or three and you just stick with them. And over time, you've got 20. And then it's like, okay, Every Saturday at 10 a.m., you're having coffee. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Nailed it, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that to me is what's interesting about this idea of like how you get jobs and other kind of good things as you get more senior in your career is like you can do that in on your terms. You have to be willing to say like, here are the places where I thrive. Here are the kinds of environments where I'm really successful um, and I'm going to do it my way and that's okay. All right. So I'm going to pull forward that concept of unfairness. And I wonder, is it ever possible to walk back from a first impression that you feel like you botched or didn't go well? Do second impressions exist? (laughs) Again, my thinking face. (laughs) So like ever possible? Sure. It is hard. Um, I think there are a couple of things. One is being able to identify why the first impression you gave off wasn't great or like wasn't the one that you intended, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens all the time. I had the most annoying situation happen this morning before 10 a.m. And I was like, ugh, I was not in, I was not in a headspace to be like intentional and bubbly and like you know, on, yeah. <laughs> um, and so if I had botched a first impression 
after that, going back to the person or even like following up after and be like, you know what? I was not my best self today. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you for going through the journey with me of experiencing that. I'm also sorry. I'd love to try again. Right. Yeah. And I think owning that as opposed to just trying to pretend that it didn't happen is really important because what you've then done is you've given someone an attribution for what they experienced. Mm. When you are just kind of a weird version of yourself and then you say, I'm just going to meet you again. You haven't Mm -hmm. given them any evidence that they should disregard the information that they had previously. So when Mm. you give a label to it, you say, I was having a rough day Mm. or I was really upset or I was confused, or I was nervous, or whatever, then you're helping them say, oh, that's not how Evelyn is. Mm. That is Evelyn under this circumstance. But I bet if I met Evelyn under a different set of circumstances, then she would be different. And so suddenly you've earned yourself like 1.5 impressions. Whoa. This is like, I've probably said this to you at some point, but I am such a fan of calling the awkward. Oh yeah, me too. You just say the awkward thing. So I could imagine in that circumstance, if you meet someone and they seem a little disheveled or like pissy or whatever, generally unlikable um, for someone, if you just call the awkward and you say, hello, I realized we met the other day. I just want to clear the air and say that the shower was broken and there was a lot going on and the dog just ate this thing. So I'm going to try that intro again. Hey neighbor, how's it going? Yeah. I'm Evelyn. I live down the block, right? And yes. I th- I really appreciate what you're saying there because I think if you don't somehow explain it or give some depth there, what happens is you're now you're now sort of like presenting two identity versions about yourself and that person then is like, "Well, hang yes. on. Are you that meanie kind of person or are you this fake? Like which one is fake?" Yes. And if you name which one is not the most authentic, that helps them. Yes. Yes. So I am not a personality psychologist, but there are, <laughs> you know, we're, we're adjacent social psychologists. Yeah. You're doing a good job though. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I remember from my first year grad school class in personality is that there are some theories about personality that basically are like looking at the same person in a variety of contexts and seeing them be consistent. Right. Mm. So the issue that you were just saying is like, if I now have two versions of you in my head, I don't know which one is consistent. So now I'm going to be collecting data, kind of like, you know, pros and cons or like marking tallies in each of the lists. You're like, which one is the fake one? But if I tell you like, no, ignore that other one, then I can encourage you to start collecting data on the version of myself that I want you to be kind of looking out for in different contexts. So of course, in personality site. I love it so much. I'm probably going to go to PhD right now. So watch (laughs) out all of Illinois universities. (laughs) I will be approaching you shortly. Um, I could talk about this with you for 10 hours, but I have one last thought before I ask you the last question. I wonder how first impressions apply to places Like I'm thinking about, we just moved to Arlington, Virginia two years ago, actually two years ago tomorrow. Wow. That's exciting. Um, I know. And that was from Berkeley, California. And so there was a lot of like, mm, I don't want to say trepidation, but like sort of question mark, because also we didn't get to visit here beforehand. It was literally COVID. We'd never seen Arlington. We just showed up at a house and live here. Oh my God. I love it. I know it was exciting and terrifying, but um, the first impression of people here uh, was not great. I will say it was pretty cold. And um, I couldn't tell if it was like everybody else's friends and we're not allowed in 
or is everyone just emotionally dead inside or is it COVID <laughs> or is it winter? You know, all these other- You had too many attributions and it was hard Ex- to figure out. Yeah. My pros and cons list were extremely detailed. Yes. yes, exactly. Much data. But what's your, have you ever had experiences like that or walking into a new place or city or how do you handle that? Oh, all the time. Um, so I have lived in lots of different places and I will say, I think depending on the identities that are important to you, you pick up on different things, right? Mm. So, you know, whenever I move into a new city or place, this goes back to when I was, uh, applying to undergrad and my mom and I were visiting different campuses and she would say, all right, we're going to walk around campus, like walk up and down, you know, kind of main thoroughfares and count the number of black people that we see. And so, you know, and she was like, you know, if I, if we see a good number of them, then that's a sign that like, you're going to be okay because numerical representation is one of those things. Mm. And so when I'm I'm in a new place, I'm definitely still looking around like, Mm -hmm. and it's evolved now, I think from like how many black people are there to like, is there just a good mix of difference? Mm -hmm. I definitely want to see some black people represented because that's the identity that's most important to me. But like, if I just see like a mix of non-white people in a variety of ways, like I'm cool with that. Um, So that's important. There's also other things that are important. Like, you know, I love having (laughs) access to good grocery stores. I will say, I'll put it that way. Mm. My husband loves grocery shopping. I don't, but like, so to me, I'm like, all right, in my new neighborhoods that I'm thinking about, do I have stores around me? Is it walkable? Is this a place where I can like take my dogs? So all of those are the kinds of things. And so what you're mm-hmm. basically seeing is like, as I'm curating a first impression, it's like, are the things that are important to me present in this place? And to the extent that the answer is yes, and there's a match, then it feels good. Because the answer is no, then it doesn't feel good. And like, you are someone who mm-hmm. thrives in community and loves creating those kinds of spaces. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me that if you're like, wait, people are not warm and friendly and opening yeah. their doors. And where's my neighbor bringing me cookies? Like, <laughs> good grief. The other thing about first impressions of places, going back to this question of how we can be intentional about curating them, is that I love reminding people that whether we are in a COVID Zoom video world or an in-person world, we actually can send signals to people based upon what we have in our space. Um, Mm. And I will never forget, there was a, a boss of mine who was this like law professor who had award after award and you know like just like amazing human being and I went to visit his like to you know visit him ask him a question in his law school office one day and I walk in and he's got this huge house stark banner hanging in his office now listen (laughs) I I identify strongly as house stark okay we are, we are the moral compass of the world. Oh, <laughs> we the might best. get our heads chopped off, spoiler alert, but like we're, we're, we are the moral compass. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, yeah. okay, he's cool. Yeah. I got something that I can talk to this guy about. Yeah. And so I think when you are curating spaces that you mm-hmm. want people to get a first impression of, like, think about who are the people that you want to occupy this space and what messages are you sending to them? Whether it's a house Stark banner or what have you that are like, hey, you, like you can find your little cozy spot here. And I think that's really important. I mean, just for everyone listening who cannot see you, right behind Evelyn is a literal banner that says joy <laughs> is an act of resistance. So 
I think we all can like kind of pick up on the sort yeah. of impression that she's giving. There's also a picture of Kamala Harris walking and Ruby Bridges as a little shadow next to it and a plant and a cool wallpaper. Like yeah. that is so real. And sometimes this is why it killed me to imagine being a teacher during the early days of COVID when everybody had their screens off or their yeah. cameras off. And, you know, I teach so now your manager and that I just, I would have zero energy and motivation to teach if I couldn't see how, how everybody was doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, creating space for that to be going back to authenticity, like, I think the power of having your camera on is that people can see your background. They can also see you. And I think magical yeah. things happen yeah. when, you know, like I turn on and I, this still happens. Like I meet with colleagues during one-on-ones, their camera comes on and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And like the, their eyes are kind of dead inside and they're like saying it and I'm like, mm. <laughs> like, we're going to, we're going to dig into that. And maybe you're yeah. not going to want to have a 30 minute one-on-one about how you're really not fine. But yeah. I want you to know that I recognize that there's something yes. going on and I'm here. Um, so totally. I also on the point about my background, but the beginning at the beginning of COVID actually. So a couple of years ago, um, I had a different background. I had literally every single degree that I have framed Fascinating. behind I love me. This. And that was because I was a little bit younger then, but I was also in a different role. I wasn't president. I didn't, I was a director at my company. I didn't have the same title that connoted all of the experience and whatnot and status. Um, and I was often facilitating workshops for executive, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, teams that were mostly white men who were in their fifties and above who some of them literally, you know, in, in nicer words, were like, what are, what are I going to learn from you? This little yeah. like 20 something black girl. Yeah. And so I was very intentional about being like, you are going to see my camera come on and all of my credentials will be there. And then I was talking to my mentor, uh, maybe like a year and a half later. And she was like, girl, listen, like everybody knows you smart because you have it behind you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. And, and now I want to think about, is there a different part of me that I want to um, that I want to shine instead. And so there's just like interesting things that you can play around with when you're thinking yeah. intentionally about the world and the space that you're curating. But it's so funny because even on that note, power matters, right? So yes. at some point, perhaps earlier in your career, you need your diplomas. And then sort of like wonderfully, once you get a little bit of, I don't know if it's just confidence and tenure, but probably it has to do with like promotion as well and power in that way. Suddenly you can be casual. Yeah. And that's the power move at some point. Right. But if you're too casual, when you're extremely new to the field, it's like, mm, you're yeah. going work here, you know, like exactly. there's some of that. So that's what an interesting crossover moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. Like, and to have somebody call it out and I was like, Oh, yeah. Maybe this is, you know, I can play around with this a little bit more. All right. Last question. And then I shall let you back to your day. What does being plucky mean to you? <gasps> oh, okay. So the simplest answer is that being plucky is purple, which <laughs> I think <laughs> I've told you this before, um, but you want to talk about first impressions. Okay. I, when I first became a manager in like October, 2019, yeah. um, a colleague of mine, sent me a list of different manager trainings that I could take. And I went to the different websites of a few of them. And, you know, I was like, oh, manager training and like, you know, stuffy banner from Harvard and blah, blah. I went to the plucky website and I saw purple. 
I was like, so purple's my favorite color. I'm wearing purple oh, headphones right now. Oh my God, and I literally true. was like, this is the kind of vibe that I am into. So what I like this relationship began because you put out a very authentic first impression of like, I am the cool purple lightning bolt, you know, mm-hmm. like company mm-hmm. that's going to take you through SNIAM training. Like that's, that's what I want. Like, I don't, I, I want a training where, you know, spoiler alert, you play with Play-Doh, like, come on, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so to me, being plucky means being whoever you are and, and just like, standing out there for the world to be like, okay, yeah. Like there are people who want the stuffy, you know, Harvard or, or whatever, insert, you know, right. Ivy League school here training. And that's great. That should be there for them. And there are people like me who want the purple lightning bolt Play-Doh training um, and being willing to just say, this is what I provide to the world. The people who want me will find me and we will have a good time together that's what being plucky is all about. That is a great answer. Not only because it's a literal commercial for everything I sell. <laughs> I'm such a fan. I literally sent everybody your way. <laughs> oh, I know you really do. And it's so good. But I think that, you know, I'm having like 90,000 thoughts a second as you're talking, because I really think certainly in the early days, but there's every once in a while, kind of a throwback moment where metaphorically speaking, I worry that I don't have Harvard degrees behind me in Zoom. And that was really true much earlier on. I worried a lot about that. Um, And then kind of spoiler, I guess, in this, but I've written publicly about something, so I don't care too much. Uh, I always wanted to do a training called So Now You're Manager, but it was always like, well, I don't have the, I mean, I have degrees for Christ's sake. I have like a (laughs) master's degree, but I was like, oh, I'm not like whatever, fancy enough. And then I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I had brain surgery and I'm okay now. But um, after you go through that, you're like, what the hell matters? Like, yeah. please, through your dreams, Jen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever, man, like try it. If nobody buys tickets, nobody buys tickets, but you're alive and there are things that are bigger than this. And so sometimes yeah. I think that idea of um, identity needs to get shaken loose every once in a while to remind you you can be a different version of yourself and maybe it's braver. And in, in those ways, I think first impressions, I guess I'll just say can linger. If you came in as the intern and you are now supposed to be a manager, sometimes people get a little bit stuck in that first impression of you. And and that's a whole career journey anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, everyone, lucky for us, Evelyn was here. (laughs) So (laughs) Thank you so much, Evelyn. If you want to connect with Evelyn or check out any job openings at Paradigm, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes. And for everybody listening, thank you for being here. And good luck making and receiving any first impressions coming up soon. I would love to hear about them. So shoot me a note. I really love good experiments. So I'm going to be messing around with um, all that idea of only looking at someone's name and pronouns. Maybe that's how I'll find coaching clients from now on. And if you're looking for tools to help you be a mentor or get mentored, you might want to consider Plucky's mentor pack. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes too. Until we see each other again, friends, be well and be plucky.